Well, good morning, everybody. How are you doing? How was Thanksgiving? Good? Well, uh, I'm glad. It's great to see you guys this morning. I'm Barrett, one of the pastors here. If you're visiting with us today on this holiday weekend, um, we are especially grateful that you're here. I just arrived back with our team last night, and I'm looking out, and I'm so proud of some of them who are here this morning. Uh, We arrived back at the airport uh, from Africa yesterday, and um, thank you so much for praying for us, those of you who knew about our trip and were committed in prayer for us. um, It was an amazing, an amazing week. Um, Yes, we did not get the turkey and the dressing and the cranberry sauce, and we missed that in some ways, but really we didn't (laughs) because... It was just such an incredible week seeing God at work there in Ivory Coast. I'm so thankful for our partner, Abele, uh, who is there, who trained here in Memphis. He and his family were called to ministry, came here and trained, and then went back to Africa. That's why they were here, to be able to go back and to pastor um, in Yamsukro, which is the capital of Ivory Coast, and to lead uh, people to know Jesus, to disciple them well, and then to instill in their church a, a vision for church planting And to this date, since they've been back, they have seen 44 churches planted in their city and in the northern regions of Ivory Coast. And we've been partnering with them now year after year for about five years, um, taking teams. We are essentially what we're doing is pushing into unreached areas, villages that they would not welcome us perhaps if if we were just going in saying we're missionaries or uh, just for the gospel's sake. Uh, But they are welcoming us with because we're going to provide care, medical and eye care, and we're getting access to places um, where there is no church. And essentially what we're doing is we're, we're showing the love of Jesus to them practically and loving them and showing mercy and compassion to them, just like Jesus did when he was among the crowds, but also preaching, proclaiming the gospel to them, every person who comes through the clinic. And we, had, we saw over 700 patients this week. Every person not only gets cared for, Uh, practically, but also gets a chance to hear the gospel. And over 10 people every day this week came to know Jesus. And we had this week two, yeah, you can praise God. Um, It's amazing because every, you know, the hundreds heard the gospel and it takes sometimes a long time, you know, for people to hear the gospel before they receive, but 10 a day did receive Christ, and it was so genuine to see them saved, but two of the places where we were at did not have a church, so two churches were planted this week in unreached areas uh, because of our, our week of ministry and just the Holy Spirit of God working through his church. Isn't that awesome? So we've get to, gotten to be a part of such great things, and um, I'll never forget, I had the opportunity to sit with this one girl who came in our clinic and this is not uh, the sermon today. This is just extra, so enjoy. Um, you guys, you know, hopefully enjoy hearing these stories because you've been praying. Um, but this one girl came in our clinic, and Janie, one of our providers, saw her, and she came in with stomach pain, and she found out uh, that she was actually pregnant. And she was just so upset about it, and she was just um, just really messed up about it because she didn't want to be pregnant. She wasn't married. The man she uh, had had gotten pregnant by was is a man of, of Islam, and she did not want anything to do with Islam, uh, but she had just been living in sin. She wasn't a Christian, and she was telling our provider that she did not want to have the baby, and she was going to make that decision to abort the baby, and Janie came and got our spiritual care team. I sat down with her, and about an hour with her, as I, we were praying for her, and I was just talking with her and counseling her, but it turns out that 
um, she, she just poured out her heart and the Lord just opened her heart and she said, I've just been in such sin and I'm just so broken. I just don't know what to do. She said, my life is just a complete mess and now I find this out and I just don't know what I'm going to do. She had been orphaned by her parents, both dying and uh, just a young girl. And anyway, long story short, um, I began to ask her if she was interested in a relationship with God, and she was, but couldn't get over the fact that her sin would keep her from God. She just felt so guilty. And so proclaiming to her the good news of Jesus and what he has done and his love for her, uh, in spite of her sin, because of her sin, going to the cross uh, for her to take away that sin, that free gift of God for all who believe, the forgiveness that comes, the righteousness that comes through, not what we have done, but what he has done in his love for us. By grace, we have been saved. And this is a gift that you can receive today by faith. And God opened her heart and she believed on Jesus. And her life, I just, I mean, it was just amazing right before us. Her life was completely changed. She, she looked up and her countenance was different. And uh, it was just amazing to see. We were able to minister her through the story of Hagar and just to see God's care for, for just one individual. And from that decision, she began to talk about her baby and made the decision that day to surrender her, her child's life to the Lord. Not to abort the baby, but to, to see the baby through uh, so that the child could have life. And she was able to, to immediately connect with the, the church planter and the pastor who was going to be in her area. Isn't that amazing? Two lives saved. Uh, her life and her child's life saved. Just in that one, this is one story out of, of hundreds of stories from this past week. What a joy to be a part of bringing hope to the world and proclaiming the greatness of God and what he has done for us by his grace in Jesus Christ. Isn't it amazing? So anyway, thank you all for praying. Um, I know you didn't ask for all that, but I just hope it brings you joy. And I hope for you uh, also, you know that God loves you and cares for you and wants to work in an amazing and hope-filled way in your life. Let me pray for us, um, and we will get started in our time in the Word today. Father, oh, we thank you for this day of worship. Uh, we thank you so much, God. Uh, for who you are and for meeting us here today, God. We do desire your presence and we do thank you for your love, God. We come not bringing anything to you other than our hearts and our lives, Lord, because we need you so much. We are broken uh, and we need your, your healing care today, God. We are sinners and we need a reminder of your gospel, what, who you are and what you have done for us in Jesus Christ, that all of our hope uh, can be found in you, Lord. You are the giver of life. And so we come to you today um, and we worship you today and we draw near to you today and we thank you for your promise that when we draw near, you draw near to us. Give us hearts today that are not hard and closed to your presence and to your, your word, but God, open and receptive and, and desirous for your word to go deep in us that it might find take root and, and bear fruit that leads to life. God, we ask that you would speak and we are listening and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, we are in the middle of our series, Word Became Flesh in the Gospel of John, and I know it's a holiday weekend, and most of you will be listening online, so if you're listening in the car on the way home or on the plane um, or sometime this week because you missed, um, hope you all had a good Thanksgiving too. Um, John chapter 10 today, uh, Word Became Flesh, John chapter 10, and we know that John writes his book very intentionally in chapter 20 verses 30 and 31, John, we don't have to guess why John wrote his gospel. John wrote his gospel saying this, now Jesus stood many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not recorded or written in this book, 
But these are written so that you may what? Believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John knows Jesus, and he wants you to know Jesus. He wants you to know that Jesus is God. He is the promised Messiah. He is the one and the only one who can bring you back into right relationship with God. And he wants you not just to know that, but to believe in him, to put all of your trust and your hope and your confidence in Jesus, that you might turn from your sin and turn toward Christ and open your heart and life to him and receive who he is and all that he can do for you. And by believing in him, he wants you to experience life, abundant life, which we'll talk about a little bit more today in his name. Today we're in John chapter 10, and our theme is Jesus, our shepherd. This is one of my favorite chapters in the book of John, and yes, I say that every week. It is so good, but this week we're looking at Jesus, our shepherd. I want to go ahead and give you our main point before we read the text this morning, and it is this. Because Jesus is our genuine shepherd, we can be confident and hopeful when we trust him. For he is able to provide certain salvation and faithful care for all who listen to, trust, and follow him. Because Jesus is our genuine shepherd, we can be confident and hopeful when we trust him. For he is able to provide certain salvation and faithful care for all who listen to, trust, and follow him. Let's read from John chapter 10 this morning. I'm reading from the English Standard Version, starting in verse 1. We're going to read the chapter and we're going to walk back through it together. Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him. For they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him. For they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. 
I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them in also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I received from my father. There was again a division among the Jews because of the words. Many of them said, he's a demon and is insane. Why are you listening to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who's oppressed by a demon. Can the demon open the eyes of the blind? Now at the time, at that time, the Feast of Dedication took place in Jerusalem. It was winter and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you're not part of the flock. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. And Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? The Jews answered him, It is not for good work they're going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I said, you are gods? If he called them gods to whom the word of God came and scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father consecrated and sent into the world, you are blaspheming? Because I said, I am the Son of God? If I am not doing the works of my Father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know. And understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Again, they sought to arrest him. But he escaped from their hands. He went away again across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing at first. And there he remained. And many people came to him. And they said, John did no sign, but everything that John said about this man was true. And many 
believed in him there. This is John chapter 10, God's word. Jesus, our shepherd. You know, the shepherd, um, some, most of you have probably heard um, this analogy. It's a word picture that God paints for us, um, not just here in this passage, but really it starts back in the Old Testament. It's a picture that God uses often to talk about who he is and who we are. It's, it's so helpful. I don't know if you guys love this image, but for me, um, this is so helpful to really understand more of who God is, who I am, and what it looks like to have a relationship with him. And I just really believe today, if you are willing to listen, that God wants to encourage you and speak to you and, and move you deeper in your relationship with him. It really starts back, um, like I said, in the Old Testament. And if you think about it, um, there's a couple of places that you can find it. Um, if you're reading, hopefully you guys read the Bible every single day and are spending time in God's Word. But as you're reading God's Word, maybe it'd just be fun to circle the times in Scripture where you see God talk about himself as shepherd. In the Psalms, there are two places uh, right back to back, one in Psalm 77 and one in Psalm 78, where it talks about when, the, when God led the people out of Egypt, when he delivered them uh, by great miracle out of bondage and, and freed them to move them into relationship with him. He says, uh, it's said about God in, in Psalm chapter 77, verse 20, you led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. And then in Psalm 78, verse 52, he says, then he led them out. He led out his people like sheep and he guided them in the wilderness like a flock. Maybe one of the most um, famous of uh, this word picture is Psalm chapter 23. Anybody know Psalm chapter 23? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil. My cup, y'all know it, overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God painting this picture, saying, if you understand me, you will know me as a shepherd, and you will know yourself as my sheep. Our relationship is like that of a shepherd and his, and his sheep. Well, one of the most famous passages in the Old Testament that God again talked, begins to talk about this is in Ezekiel chapter 34. Ezekiel 34 has so many parallels to John chapter 10, and if you got homework this week, I would love for you to go home and read Ezekiel chapter 34, and in your small groups as we talk about John 10 this week, I'd love for you to talk about it together. Ezekiel chapter 34 is interesting because the context of, of where this comes up is the nation has been in rebellion against God. They have turned away from God. And because they had turned away from God in their heart, they are getting the judgment and the condemnation from God that they well deserve. 
All of these words of God that are so strong and seem so severe. God's saying, my judgment is, is, you, is owed to you because of your rebelliousness, your wickedness, your turning away from me. But then, like a light piercing through the darkness, chapter 34 comes and he says, But, but, there's coming a day. That though my sheep are scattered, though they're rebellious, though they've walked away from me, I will come after them like a shepherd comes after his sheep. And I will rescue my fold and I will bring them back. I am sending one. Look, Ezekiel chapter 34, verses 22 to 23. I will rescue my flock. They shall no longer be a prey and I will judge between sheep and sheep and I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David. And he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. He promises a day that he will come and right the wrongs. He will come and return his sheep to their fold. And he promises that he's going to do this through the line of David. Along with this bringing the sheep back together is also a judgment in Ezekiel chapter 34. And you'll read it this week. is a judgment on those who have been leading God's people, who were supposed to be leading God's people, and they were doing it in the wrong way. Instead of looking after the sheep for the sheep's interest, they were looking after the sheep for their own interest. And they were abusing the sheep. They were abusing God's people. And he's talking about the religious leaders of the day. Instead of loving them and caring for them, they were just loving themselves and caring for themselves, only concerned for their own interest. And God saw this and it broke his heart. And so part of God's promise is that he would come to right the wrongs of the sheep who'd gone astray, but he would also come to reinstitute godly leadership for his people. Now, something hit me this week as I was preparing for John 10. It blew me away because I've never seen the connection. I've always approached John chapter 10 for John chapter 10, and I've never approached it in its context. But how amazing is it that God, that Jesus, in his sovereignty, this is no coincidence that Jesus chooses to reveal himself as our shepherd at this moment in his ministry. Because right out of John chapter 9, remember where we were last week? Was this man who had been born blind, he was broken, and the leaders of the day had no compassion on him. Instead of rejoicing that Jesus, God in flesh, had healed This broken, blind man restored sight to him. And not only that, but brought salvation to his life. Instead of that, the religious leaders were grumbling and complaining because it took influence away from them. They were more concerned about the law than they were a person's soul. Their own integrity rather than the good of another. And Jesus Right out of John chapter 9. Look at the discourse. It comes right out of John chapter 9 after the Pharisees kicked this blind man out for proclaiming that Jesus is God. Jesus stands up. And we know he's talking to them because in verse 6 it says, This figure of speech was used with them. Who is them? The religious leaders that just kicked this boy out. And he stands and he says, I am here. Your God in flesh, and I am here to fulfill all that has been promised about me in Ezekiel chapter 34. I have come 
as the shepherd, the good shepherd, to return my broken and wandering sheep back to God's fold and to restore godly leadership to them. Isn't that amazing? That Jesus is essentially saying, I am here, your God, the Lord is my shepherd who you have known from Psalm 23. Here I am, it's me and my name is Jesus. I am the shepherd. It's beautiful. There's eight characteristics that I see in uh, this passage that I want to call your attention to today. Some of you, when you hear eight points, you go, oh boy, oh boy. Somebody just yawned. (laughs) Don't think too bad about it. There's eight characteristics that I see here as we see Jesus is our shepherd. And I just want to walk through them uh, quickly with you this morning. He starts out with that in verses 1 through 6, just a basic uh, description. If anybody's seen a shepherd and sheep, anybody seen that? We just got back from Africa and the sheep are everywhere. And uh, it was cool this week because I was watching them anticipating this message today and just thinking, Jesus, you're just like that with me. It's just such a beautiful picture. There's several things that Jesus draws out of this, and I just want to walk through it together. The first characteristic that I see is this, that Jesus as our shepherd saves us graciously. Jesus, our shepherd, saves us graciously. If you look back at your scripture, verse 3, to him the gatekeeper opens The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. If you look down at verse 7, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. And verse 9, he repeats it, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be, what? Saved. And he will go in and out and find pasture. I am the door. This is one of the three metaphors that Jesus uses in this passage. He is the door. In other words, he's the gate. And it alludes to several other places in Scripture. Remember earlier in John in chapters 1 and 2, we looked at the fact that Jesus refers back to the dream that that was had in Genesis chapter 28 that Jacob had where the heavens were being opened and there was this passageway suddenly into heaven and out of heaven and he refers to himself as, as the one who was going to make this possible. And we know um, that Jesus is, is the door. Other places in the New Testament describe entering the kingdom through a door, and that door being Jesus, and we know that he is the door. And in the old times, as the shepherd would keep the sheep, and even to this day, sometimes when they're out in in open areas and and they're vulnerable, uh, he would surround the sheep with rocks, and then he would leave one place for an opening where there would be an entrance into this place where the sheep were kept, and the shepherd himself would lay across that opening Literally, the shepherd himself would be the door, the entrance into that place of pasture, that place of flock, that place of safety. He is saying, I am the door. I am the way in. 
If you want to know how to have relationship with, with God, you have to understand that Jesus is our way in. The Bible says that there is only one name in heaven and earth under which men may be saved, and that name is Jesus Christ. Timothy says there's only one mediator between God and man who is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the way, we'll see later, the truth and the life. And he says in John 14, 6, no one comes to the Father except through me, what Jesus says. Jesus is saying, how beautiful that he does call you. Jesus is calling He's calling. That is an amazing thing that we should never get over that by his grace, there is an opportunity in. Listen, you leave the fold. You don't deserve to be back in the fold. Y'all get that? If you walk away, don't get entitled thinking, oh, I deserve to be back there. No, it is the grace of God that any of us would have the opportunity to come back in. If you get out, you shouldn't have to come back in. God and his grace invites you to come back in. But listen, there's only one way back in, and that way is Jesus Christ. He himself is the door. He is the gate. But for all who do come in, the Bible says here, Jesus says here, I am the door, verse 9. If anyone enters by me, he will be what? Saved. And he will go in and out and find pasture. So for all who do come in, listen, if you come to Jesus, the Bible says that he will save you and give you life. Secondly, not only is Jesus saving us graciously as our shepherd, but secondly, he protects us faithfully. He protects us faithfully. If you look back at verses 7 through 9 and you take that same illustration that he's saying, I am the door, part of that, if you think about it as an outsider wanting to come in now, okay? If you're a sheep who's lost on the outside and you're looking for a way back in, that's the first point. Jesus says the way back in is through me. But if you're looking at it from the standpoint of a sheep who is already in and you look at Jesus as the door, what do you see? You see him as a guard, as my protection, as my safety, as my security, right? How beautiful is that? But for those who come in, he protects us. Not only is there salvation, but there's, there's safety. And how beautiful that in verse 11, we see that Jesus is not like other hired hands. He uses that phrase. He's not like um, somebody who's the manager of a store but not the owner of a store. He's the owner and the operator of the store. Y'all know that people who own houses take better care of them than the people who don't own them, right? Are y'all renters or are you owners? If you're renters, you're more likely to destroy the property you're living in. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. <laughs> some of y'all are like, yeah, that's true. Um, some of you who own rental houses are like, heck yeah, that is definitely true. Um, Jesus is not one who just rents. He's not one who just operates. He owns and he operates. And Jesus compares himself to the hired hands. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who's a hired hand, not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and he leaves the sheep. And they flee. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and he cares nothing about the sheep. But he's saying, friends, don't you 
get this in your head. I am not like that. I am the good shepherd, and I'm not going to flee from you. I am the door, and I'm not going to flee when trouble comes. When trouble comes, I'm going to be with you. Just like he says, even through the valley, you are with me, right? You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. In other words, the rod for protection, the staff for rescue, those, the very presence of our shepherd God is our protection and our peace. Amen? He protects us faithfully. The key distinction with Jesus versus others is that he is committed. He is committed to the sheep. And this describes the one thing that authenticates his ministry versus the ministry of those who are ungodly and care nothing for those that they serve. He is committed to his sheep. Not only does he save us graciously, not only does he protect us faithfully, but third, he tends to us carefully. He tends to us carefully. Verses 8 and 9, All who came before me, they're thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door, and if anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And don't miss this. He will go in and out and find pasture. He will go in and out and find pasture. I love it that in Psalm chapter 23, we have more insight into who Jesus is and what he's come to do. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Do you believe that? Do you believe that in relationship with God, you will never lack for anything that is needed for your good? Sometimes we find ourselves constantly frustrated that we don't have what we're looking for. (laughs) Black Friday, anybody participate? I'm not calling you out. But our, our world screams at us, if you just have this or if you just have that or just one more thing. You know, and we're just constantly agitated that we haven't quite found the fulfillment that we're looking for. But Jesus says, look, if you're in a relationship with me, you can be completely satisfied and fulfilled. There is nothing more that you will ever lack because I myself provide for you to the point that your cup overflows. You shall not want. I lead you to green pasture and I lead you beside still water. I restore your soul. It's a picture of a God who loves you so much. He is the shepherd. You are his sheep. And he cares for you and tends to your every need. He knows when you need to be by the water. And he knows when you need to be by the green. And he knows when you need his presence through the middle of the night. And things are scary. He knows what you need. And I love that. Every single day when I used to live in West Africa, I would lived on a street where a lot of people... A lot of shepherds lived and they cared for their sheep. And every single night, every single night, a shepherd has a time, a good shepherd has a time where as the sheep come in, he inspects them. He looks them over, kind of like some of you who have animals. Y'all have animals? Do you love your animal? We are kind of in a love-hate relationship with ours. That's the honest truth. Um, We love her. (laughs) Sometimes she's annoying. Um, But if you love your animal, you kind of understand this. A good shepherd loves his sheep, and every day as the sheep come in, they're feeling them, they're touching them, they're looking to see, are there any injuries, are there any broken bones, any um, thorns or thistles uh, 
grab them and are they bleeding or torn in any way? And they would apply ointment when there was a need for ointment. They would provide care when there was a need for care. There's this beautiful picture between the relationship of a shepherd and a sheep to where he is carefully tending to us. Do you know, do you believe that God knows you? That he knows your needs? And that he has everything necessary to care for you in the exact way that you need. He tends for us carefully. Salvation, friends, is not just about merely being saved from sin and judgment and death. Some people think about salvation purely as like a get-out-of-hell card. And yes, salvation is about salvation from the judgment of sin and death. But salvation is so much more. Salvation is a relationship with a shepherd who knows us, who loves us, who cares for us, who leads us, who guides us, who heals us, who provides for us, who cares for every need such that we shall never want. Isn't that amazing? Jesus is not just providing an opportunity for you to go to heaven someday in the future. He's providing for you an opportunity right here and now to have a relationship with the eternal God who can provide for all of your needs. Jesus, our shepherd, saves us graciously, protects us faithfully, tends to us carefully forth. He fulfills us abundantly. Jesus, our shepherd, fulfills us abundantly. In verse 10 One of the most famous verses in this chapter, then it is one of our memory verses this week. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. Every other God that you would ever find in this world is going to take from you. Every other thing that you're going to look to as an idol for your life, if it's apart from the living God, is going to take from you. It might promise to give to you, but it will take from you. It will kill you. It will steal from you, and eventually it will destroy you. That's what sin does, and all who are in bondage to sin find that, can testify to that. That which once promised life, I realize now, led me straight to death. Anybody a witness to that? False advertising, friends. That's what idols are. False advertising. Some of you fell prey to that on Friday. (laughs) Sorry. Jesus says, I'm not like that. I haven't come to take from you. I have come as your eternal God to give to you. I have come to restore to you fullness of life. How beautiful is God? That as God invites us to give ourselves to him, he invites us with a promise that is not false advertising, but is a guarantee based on who he is and what he has come to do. He can give you life. And it's not just any life. He's come to give you life to the full. Let me say it again, see if you can smile. He's come to give you life to the full. My cup overflows. He doesn't just fill your cup up. He fills it up till it can't be any more full and he keeps filling it and filling it. Like I always picture in my mind sometimes as I'm praying and I go to God's grace. I don't know why I picture this, but I was in Japan once and this was seven, eight years ago and 
years. There was this beautiful waterfall, and there's these rocks sitting under the waterfall, and that water kept flowing and flowing and flowing and just beating that rock and just covering the rock. And sometimes I picture God's life and God's grace and God's love for me like that waterfall and me being that rock to where it just keeps coming and coming and coming. Even when it's already full, it just ke- he keeps giving and giving and giving. He is our abundant, abundant life. Sometimes people think about Christianity as some sour, lifeless, miserable existence that squashes your potential for full joy and freedom and life. And that is just absolutely not true. Because for those who have experienced relationship with Jesus, know that it is rich, it is full, it is wonderful. And it is overflowing with such meaning and joy and purpose. This is what Jesus can do for all who come to him as their shepherd. He's come not to take, but to give. And every day, friend, you should put yourself under that waterfall of his inexhaustible grace because we need what he's come to give. Amen? Not only does he save us graciously, protect us faithfully, tend us carefully, fulfill us abundantly, but fifth, he knows us intimately. He knows us intimately. Verses 14 and 15, he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father. This is amazing. He's saying, I don't just know you, like know you, like, hey, how you doing? Okay, bye. People that you know like that. He's saying I know you like the kind of person that sits across from you over coffee or sits with you on the couch and they pour your heart out to you and you really know the bottom of their soul and they know the bottom of your soul. He gives us an illustration that we might understand what he's talking about. He says, just like I know the Father, I am one with the Father. All things are known by him and known to me. We are one in the same way for me and my sheep. I am like that with them. There is intimacy There is knowledge. There is complete union of relationship. I don't just know you in part. I know you completely. And Jesus exhibits exhibits this throughout his ministry. Remember, he calls people by their name. Even before they come to him, he sees them and he calls them by their name. They come and he goes, oh, I know who you are. You're this and that. And they're going, wait, how do you know me? He said, I know you. Remember in chapter 8, before the foundation of the world, I am. He knows you. With all of his disciples, you think about their different personalities. With Paul, he's a blubber mouth. He trips over himself. He's quick to jump onto things, but often he runs in the wrong, wrong direction, right? With Thomas, he doubts. With Andrew, he's a people person, a people pleaser often, always bringing people. And he deals with each of his disciples, if you look at their interactions, in a very personal way. He doesn't deal with all of them the same. He knows how they're made, how they're wired, what their personality is. And he challenges and encourages and invites and affirms in all of the ways that are right for them in order to bring them deeper into relationship with him. How beautiful is the personal knowledge of God to us. Do you know that God knows you intimately? As I watched the shepherd and the sheep this past week and when I used to live there, I would be amazed. The, the sheep literally from all the different shepherds would wander. They would mix up all up and down the street as they let them out of the pasture every day. They would just, I was like, how in the world? All these sheep look exactly the same. 
I can't even tell a sheep from a goat hardly. But I definitely can't tell the difference between which sheep is whose. And they don't tag them or anything in Africa. And I'm sitting there, they're all mixed up. And suddenly, at the end of the day, the shepherd will do a little or something with his voice. And he starts calling a sheep home. And he knows every single one of them. He knows them by name. He's named them all in West Africa. They still name them to this day. He knows them by their names. He knows them intimately. And he calls them home. We understand this in some ways. Yesterday I got home from the airport. And amidst the hundreds of people that got off my plane, my wife and I are able to see me. They were able to spot me and pull up to the curb right where I was because I am their daddy. (laughs) And hubby. That would be awkward if I was your daddy, Michelle. Um, (laughs) I'm sorry. Um, But they know me. Y'all get this, right? How beautiful it is that you can know that you're not just one of hundreds to God, that he knows you personally, and he knows you intimately. And when you come to God, you come to God who cares about you for who you are, and he's able to deal with you in such a personal and intimate way. Beautiful. Not only does he care for us and know us intimately, but six, he leads us purposefully. He leads us purposefully. If you look back at verses 3 and 4, it says to him, the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he's brought out all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow them, for they know his voice. And then in verse 16, he says, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice, so there will be one flock and one shepherd. I love that Jesus doesn't just call us to be a part of the flock, and then he's just like, well, we're just going to sit here until the end of time. We're just going to enjoy pasture together. There are times to enjoy pasture. Thank God that he leads us beside still water, and he leads us to green pasture, and he works with us in times of peace to restore us. But friends, don't forget that in Psalm 23, he also says, I lead you in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Part of being in his sheepfold is living with purpose. There's not just peace, but there's purpose. There's a passion, a direction to my life, and the direction of my life, the paths he's leading me on, they're good paths, and they're paths to make much of him. For his name's sake, for his name's sake, this is what Psalm 23 says. And here it says that the shepherd leads his sheep. The sheep hear his voice and he leads them. But there's a direction, and that's why I brought in verse 16. There's a direction. I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them in also, and they will listen to my voice. What is he talking about? He's talking about the redeeming work of God to bring glory to himself from all peoples, all nations, all tribes, and all tongues. Like this past week, we were on a mission with our shepherd God. He led us to Africa. And by leading us to Africa, to Cote d'Ivoire, to Yamsukuro, we got to be a part of his work and calling other sheep into our fold. That is what he's talking about. We are on a mission with our shepherd God to rescue and redeem sheep that belong with us that aren't yet 
among us. Isn't that beautiful? It's a beautiful promise and a beautiful purpose that God has given us. Peter Cameron Scott, who founded the African Inland Mission back in the 1800s, he went there and out of Europe and he got there and things were very, very difficult. He uh, went as a young man and ended up getting malaria and he came back to Britain and his second attempt was better because he went uh, with his brother John, but sadly what happened was his brother got malaria and ended up dying. Scott buried his brother and then began to rededicate himself to preaching the gospel. After he rededicated himself to preaching the gospel, he got malaria again. And in these days, it was just, I mean, the death sentence. He went back to Europe so discouraged, so frustrated, thinking about calling it quits. But in London, something happened that was remarkable. He went to the Westminster Abbey where to this day you can still stand at the tomb of David Livingston. And on the tomb of David Livingston, if you've ever seen it, you will know that on his tomb is verse 16. David Livingston, one of the medical missionary greats of the mission movement in our world to bring people to know Jesus. And on his tomb is verse 16. I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them in also and they will listen to my voice. It was the promise of the purpose of God that Livingston staked his whole life upon. It's what drove him to win so many to Jesus, to start a work that continues to this day where we just got back from. And after reading that, Peter Scott went back to Africa and fulfilled the work that God had assigned to him. Following Jesus gives us purpose. And in the middle of purpose reminds us of his promise that gives us passion within that purpose and sustains us to continue to do the work that God has called us to do. Amen? Do you live with purpose? Even as a sheep following the shepherd, he has a purpose. There are other sheep. Don't look around. Look around. Don't get content just looking at being with the sheep who are already in. Look outside. We are to be a missional church. In this community in downtown Memphis, there are so many who God wants to bring into the fold. Look around. Do you see the mission of God that he's inviting you to be a part of here in our country and to the uttermost parts of the world? He's promised it to be so, and there will be a day that we will see it. We will be glad. Amen? Seventh. I've got I to finish. Seventh. Not only does he save us graciously, protect us faithfully, tend us carefully, fulfill us abundantly, know us intimately, lead us purposefully, but he gives himself for us sacrificially. He gives himself for us sacrificially. In verses 11 through 13, we read, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd laid down his life for his sheep. He used a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and he leaves the sheep and flees. The wolf snatch and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. But I am, I am the good shepherd. And then in verse 17, for this reason the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. It's Jesus speaking to. Perhaps this is the, the, the pinnacle of the most wondrous 
aspect of this whole analogy that it's giving us. I am the good shepherd. He says it twice. And if you want to understand my role in your life as a good shepherd, you have to understand that I am here to lay down my life for my sheep. What? You got to tell me, you're going to go to Africa and care after those stinky, gross sheep. And that sheep runs out in front of a car, which one of us did this week, and we almost smacked that joker. You mean to tell me that a human being is going to jump out in front of that car in order to rescue that sheep, die in front of that bus instead of that sheep? That sheep's life is dismantled. What do you mean? That's crazy. Anybody with me? Some of us get so used to this analogy, we forget the craziness of it. Shepherds don't lay down their own life for an animal. Friends, let's never tire of hearing that the God of the universe, the creator of all, the one from whom and through whom and to whom all things flow, came to earth to live among stinky, gross, broken, sinful, flawed us. And not just to live among us. Not only did the word become flesh to dwell among us. Not only did he come that we might know him. But friends. It's us. Who jumped out in front of the bus. By our own choice. We deserve to die. Because we've gone astray. And how crazy is it. Oh what love is this. That Jesus laid down his life for us. That the God of the universe jumps out in front of the bus so that we might be saved and he himself gives his life for our life. How beautiful and amazing is the love of God. That he, our shepherd, in his love and by his grace, totally undeserved, would choose to lay down his life Motivated by his love, he went to the cross to take our place so that we might be forgiven of all of our sin and might have abundant life. He gives himself for us sacrificially. And finally, some of y'all been waiting for that word, he secures us eternally. He secures us eternally. I love the fact that Jesus says, I not only lay down my life, but I take it up again. You know, it would, not, it would be a really loving thing if you were a sheep and you're in the fold and Jesus, is, the shepherd, is giving his life for you. But then if he gives his life for you, the wolves are still there, right? To snatch you back up, to destroy you. The shepherd's gone. Not only does he give himself unto death, but he rises again to new life. The Bible says that after Jesus died on the cross, three days later, he rose again into new life. And today, he lives. He has not died ever since. He is the Savior of the world, the King Eternal, the one who has all power and authority in his hands. And he is on the throne. And your King who died for you, your shepherd who died for you, is also your shepherd who lives for you. And because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Y'all know the song? Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future. Now life is 
worth a living just because he lives. Please don't rate my performance. <laughs> he secures us eternally by his triumph from the grave. He was in control of his death. It was his choice to die for our, in our place. And he is in control of his resurrection. By the Father's authority, he is raised to newness of life. And friends, we are secure eternally. Look, as we move toward a close at verses 28 and 29, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one, no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. In other words, if you are mine, you are mine forever. No one will ever touch you. You are mine. No one takes from me. All power is mine and you are mine. Therefore, you are mine forever. You are secure. Friends, if you believe in Jesus, you, you will make it to heaven forever. You can bank your life on this and your dying breath. You can bank your life on the security that Jesus offers all who are truly his sheep. Those who the Father chose, he gave to the Son. And those who belong to the Son, he laid down his life for. And those he laid down his life for, he called to himself. And for those who heard his voice and followed him, he gave eternal life. And for those who have eternal life, they can never be taken out of his hand. They will be in his flock, one flock, forever and forever. This is how secure you are in the shepherd's care. As we move toward close today, oh man, I'm just excited Aren't you all excited and encouraged and thankful by our great God? He is our shepherd. He's our shepherd. And he is the best. What does it look like to respond to God today? We need to respond to God. It looks like recognizing that, oh, friends, we need his shepherding care, his salvation his love, his intimacy, his fullness of life in our life. We need him. There is a role and responsibility for us to play. Because over and over in the passage, you heard what it looks like to be a sheep. Looks like listening to his voice. When he calls, do you know his voice? Do you respond? When the whistle goes out at the end of the day, are you sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading? Not only do you listen, not only are you attentive, but do you trust him? Do you trust him? Do you believe him? Do you believe that he is who he says he is, that he cares for you in this way? Do you believe that he's leading you in a good place? Do you believe that he's with you, that he believes that he's really giving you abundant life? Are you satisfied in his care? Are you content? Can you say, I shall not want because he is with me? And are you following him? Have you turned from your waywardness and have you surrendered your life to Jesus? Have you committed your whole heart and life into his care? Are you following him? Let's pray. Father, I ask right now that your Holy Spirit would work as we move toward this time of response, Lord, that we would just rejoice in you. You are our shepherd, and we just thank you. 
we thank you. God, there are many here today who are not yet in your sheepfold. And today they have heard your voice calling. And today, Lord, I pray that for all who does not know you, that today they would listen to your voice, that they would believe you, that you are the Messiah, you are the door, the gate, the only way into God, that you do love so much that you've given your own life that we might be saved. And Lord, that they would put all of their trust in you, that they would ask for your forgiveness and commit themselves into your care. God, I pray that you would save today. Lord, I also pray for all of us who are already in the sheepfold, Lord, that we would just grow more close to you, more intimate with you, more receptive to you, more dedicated to following you. Father, that you, we would just continue to rest and rejoice in your care for us. Thank you, Father. Minister to us in a variety of ways. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand, church, as we respond. I'm here. There's prayer counselors in the back. If you want to give your life to Christ, you come and talk to us. If you want to pray about something specific in your life, come. Pray with us. This is your time to give yourself to Jesus, our shepherd.